Welcome back to the Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans. Find new fans. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Austin Evans. Hi, Austin. Hello, hello, and what a fun three hours that was. <laughs> Man. So we should probably start by saying that this, this is like terrible timing for the both of us. It is 4.26 a.m. at the moment, and I'm feeling great. What more could you ask for? You've got Suzuka, you've got Rain, you've got a race that actually happened. We were, I mean, I feel like, because there was such a lengthy rain delay, I feel like we were both going back and forth on, oh, this thing's not happening, this thing's not happening. And then they just, they started. It's like, oh, cool, I guess we have a race now. But can you give, for the best of your ability, a uh, recap of the (laughs) finishing position? I would love nothing more than to tell you what is true as of this moment of recording. So, uh, very clear win by Max. The final finishing time, according to this, is 27 seconds ahead. And mind you, they only got roughly half the laps in. I actually don't know what the final lap counter was. But um, massively, massively impressive win there. Um, As of right now of recording... Uh, Checo came in P2 and Leclerc came P3, although that those positions were switched on the road. Uh, but at the, I think at the very last corner, Leclerc went deep and he kind of had to cut the corner a little bit. So he was given what I believe was a five second penalty. But again, this is all happening like seconds before we started recording. And if that is the case, and I don't think that would be challenged, that means that Max Verstappen is officially the world champion for 2022, which is I guess that a huge surprise because, I mean, he was going into this basically just needing to win and have any kind of luck at all. But, yeah, it's uh, quite the, uh, the finishing order for the Japanese Grand Prix. And I'm sure Honda will be incredibly happy to get not only the 1-2 by Red Bull right as they announced that they're rekindling their partnership with, uh, with Red Bull, but also getting the championship for the second year in a row on home soil. What is going on? Like, there's... Have they done something new, uh, Red Bull and Honda? Yes. So the way I understand it. So to recap, last year was Honda's official last year in Formula One, right? So they decided they were going to pull out. You know, it wasn't sustainable, yada, yada, yada. So essentially the deal that they fostered with Red Bull was that Honda would continue to essentially make the power units. They would continue to service them, et cetera, et cetera, while Red Bull start to build up their own powertrains division to completely make the new power units that are coming in 2026. Now, as of right now, the Red Bull cars are badge, I believe, is Red Bull powertrains, even though they're 100% Honda units in everything besides name. And uh, as you might expect, as Honda maybe got some cold feet about the whole deal, especially with the Porsche thing that Red Bull were potentially going to partner with all kind of getting shut down. Essentially, Honda like, hey, we're doing all this work. We've spent all these years, all these probably billions of dollars to develop this power unit. It's going in the Red Bull and they weren't getting any credit at all besides a little sticker. So it seems like now they're sort of rekindling that partnership. So yeah. they had some uh, bigger sort of branding uh, on the car for the Japanese Grand Prix. And it seems like that relationship is probably going to become stronger and stronger. And very likely, Red Bull Honda will be a thing probably for real by 2026 with however they decide to sort of divvy up the um, the powertrain stuff. But this This could a- be the like result of the Porsche thing, right? Like this could Correct, be the yeah, result think, of that not working out. Yeah, I think as soon as the Porsche thing dropped out, because the thing was, even though Honda officially left, they actually had a change in CEO in between when they announced that they were going to leave and when it actually oh, okay. happened. 
And so I think everyone on the actual F1 side of Honda, we're all like, we don't want to leave. Let's continue. Let's continue. But what the problem was is that, you know, high up said, let's bail. But there's a new CEO. And I think that Honda realized the value that F1 brings, especially because they've got the power unit and the, you know, world champion, the double world champion team in, in, in car. And they were doing that for free, right? Which made no sense whatsoever. So that's where it's at right now. Honda, I think, are very much pushing to kind of have a little bit more control on that. And I'm sure the Red Bull crew are very happy to continue that partnership with Honda that has been so successful for them. So aside from that, aside from the race today, there have been more driver moves that have happened since the last recording. So uh, Pierre Gasly has been confirmed to go to Alpine. Uh, Nick DeVries will be joining Alpha Tauri to take Gasly's place. Uh, and Daniel Ricciardo was quoted in the press conferences as saying, I think the reality is now I won't be on the grid in 2023. Oof, that's tough, man. I mean, it's not unexpected. Yep. It was kind of, I mean, pretty much from the beginning, to give Danny Rick some credit, he's been very straightforward with his intention that he did not need to race at all costs for 2023, right? I feel pretty confident, even with his reduced stock, that mm-hmm. you know he's had a rough couple of years. I yep. think he could have still gotten a seat at Williams. He could have still probably gotten a seat at Haas, probably like if he really wanted to. But the problem Maybe. is, uh, I, I I think if he would have offered his services for a reduced rate, let's not forget Danny Rick is still one of the highest paid drivers on the grid. So if he would have taken a major sort of pay cut, I think he could have stayed if he needed to but the thing is that would have been nothing more than an extension that would have been a dead end he would have you know had another year maybe two years and he would have been out yeah instead he's taken the fat paycheck that he got from mclaren because let's not forget he agreed to part ways with mclaren they didn't fire him they weren't able to just get rid of him he i'm sure was very handsomely rewarded for saying goodbye to mclaren he's going to take a year off potentially with a reserve driver uh role or maybe he just finds himself, whatever the case is, and tries to position himself like, hey, look, I'm back, baby. 2024, Danny Rick's your boy. Hit me up. I think it's a smart move, right? If nothing more than just for the mental break for him to kind of reset himself after what has been an incredibly bruising couple of years. Yeah, it's put us at two spots now that are available. The Haas seat yeah. and the Williams seat. So there's people circling but it seems like daniel ricardo is at least talking publicly that he won't be one of those that goes in for one of the seats is what it seems like at this point i think uh wouldn't be good for him prospect wise to be talking like this i think if it seemed like there was a possibility for him right it's not a good look i think it's Exactly. I think it's pretty much a done deal. Danny Rick not going to be on the grid for next year, which leaves a few interesting sort of questions, right? So obviously Mick Schumacher is not confirmed for Haas. Apparently he is still in contention, but mm-hmm. um, it's it's kind of strange. It seems like the rumors are sort of settling on they might be going with Nico Hulkenberg, which is... The only uh, place I have seen or heard this was during the commentary of last week's race. I had not seen any of the people I follow online talking about Hulkenberg before that point. I, I've a couple of places, most notably the race, has been kind of saying okay. that that's where the competition is, um, which is an interesting one because Nico is a very talented driver, but also has not really had a full time seat for two years now or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, Mick has had a rough time of it, uh, especially it was embarrassing when it was, uh, I believe, at the end of no FP one, I think, where. The checkered flag was over, practice was done, and he crashed the car fairly heavily and actually had to change his sort of chassis. So 
it's those kind of moments, plus all the other crashes and issues he's had this year, which definitely don't make it a sure thing that he'll be on the grid. That being said, I still, still think he has decent a decent shot. And then you go over to Williams, and it doesn't seem like they have a lot of options. I mean, there's certainly some drivers who may end up going with them. But the rumor that I've heard is that they're really trying to get Logan Sargent in. And I know we talked about that last week. And that's their F2 driver, their junior driver. Um, but the main issue is, is that he doesn't technically have enough super license points to actually qualify for a great spot. Um, but he just needs to get like sixth or above, uh, I believe, for the final race in Abu Dhabi. If he's able to do that, it seems like that's a probably fairly straight shot for them to bring him in to replace Latifi, who is most certainly not going to be on the grid for 2023. Yeah, I mean, they already said it, right? That, that it's the funny thing. The one thing Williams have announced is no Latifi. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, that checks out. I, just, I mean, look, it, it, it's tough because obviously he's a nice guy and he did do relatively well. I mean, he got ninth place today. Yep. Um, I, again, we're recording so early. It's still very unclear on exactly how many points were uh, divvied up. Because, it seems you know, like it was full points. As of right now, I don't know why. Yeah, so after spa last year where there was a yep. complete non-race right and you know there were i don't i think we gave half points or something but uh with two laps under the safety car they did change it for this year where there's like these buckets mm-hmm. where once you hit i think it's like quarter distance you get points and half and then something above that but it was really unclear and again i don't know exactly how many racing laps we got i do believe it was just a little bit above half the commentators are talking as if it was going to be half points but now suddenly it's full points max as the champion i don't know but regardless uh it was a smart move of latifi and it was a smart move of seb to kind of take that very early pit stop to switch over to enters but i feel like we might be getting ahead of ourselves because there's a whole lot more stuff that happened before the race even got started yeah i think the one last thing i wanted to mention before we move on is um the cost cap stuff we were talking about the certifications for that was supposed to come out on wednesday and then halfway through today wednesday fia said actually no next monday so we still don't know if or what penalties would be awarded. There's been a bunch of rumors on all sides. Some people saying it's the biggest thing ever. Some people saying it's nothing. And with and with a spectrum in between at that. So we'll maybe we'll talk about it on our next episode, which is in two weeks' time. But who knows if they're actually going to do it by that point? But we still don't it's know very the result strange. of that. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, it's hard to know. There's a lot of misinformation going around. Um, I did see what seemed to be a fairly legit-looking press release from the FIA that was leaked that has not been confirmed at all. Um, If you read that, there were spelling errors in that. I don't think that was real at all. That's that's the thing, right? Like, there's so much stuff going on. So until we hear, it's very difficult to know exactly what the real story is. But yeah, that, I think, has real potential to shake things up. Um, Certainly, if they decide to be very sort of mm-hmm. firm on the penalties for, mm-hmm. you know, of course they can be retroactive for 2021 results, but also, Hey, guess what? You also lose points for this year or, Oh, you know what? You lose budget for next year. Right? So I don't think Red Bull and Aston Martin are in the clear, I mean, supposedly hypothetically. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what that is. It doesn't surprise me though. Just like we talked about last week, these are incredibly complicated sort of accounting things. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of politics involved. There's so much involved. I think it's fine they take their time. It's not going to change anything overnight. It's going to be a storm. (laughs) It's going to be a storm when that thing's official, though. I have a ruling from the FIA on the points. Okay. 
The rules regarding the reduced points allocation only apply in the event of race suspension that cannot be resumed. And therefore, four points are awarded and Max Verstappen is world champion. So basically, wow, all okay. of the talk today about the half points and all that, this was people didn't understand the rules, which I think was fair because, as usual, like FIA's rules are mostly up for interpretation for 25% of the time to 50% of the time, depending on length of rule. Uh, so, like, I think it ends up being that, like, this, uh, those spa rules were brought in because of the spa incident, we'll call it, where they had to mm. stop the race. So that's right, only right. if you stop the race. If the race has started, four points will be awarded if the race is completed. Interesting. I guess that's fair. I mean, I don't like the idea of trying to, you know, calculate half points or three quarter points. I agree. Some sort of uncertainty there. So, but I it's annoying it's, it's completely... that nobody knew this in the beginning and it's what i find so frustrating is like if sky were talking about it the whole time did no one at the fia consider maybe correcting them like you just let it just continue on the official broadcast showing all these charts like i i this is the stuff that i find weird is like this is where people get frustrated at the fia and the fia is considered to be unreliable and then like because now I, you know, I was just seeing as I was scrolling through Twitter, I saw uh, uh, Chainbear was saying there is now no clip of Max Verstappen as the 2022 world champion as he crosses the line. Mm-hmm. Like we barely even saw Max cross the line because it wasn't really important for the race. We were fo- following everyone else, and it's like, but that wouldn't have happened if we knew the rules. And it's like yeah. it's such a rules-focused sport, but most of the time, no one knows them. It's very strange. And there is yeah, actually more is. on that today, too, which we haven't even uh, spoken oh about. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. Yeah, you're actually, that's, a, that's a, such a terrific point of there's a new world champion. And talk about the most anticlimactic announcement ever. You don't see him really win the race. We didn't even know. I, I think he, and I think I, I saw right before we started recording, um, you know, it seemed like they like told him like in the middle of his interview, oh, by the way, your world champion is like, oh, cool. Like, that's it. Sweet. Yep. I don't know. Yep. It's obviously, I, I think it's easy for all of us to kind of sit back in our, in our hotel rooms or our couches or whatever and criticize the FIA. I do believe they have a very difficult job. And there were some decisions they made today that were smart. I think that generally speaking, with one very glaring sort of uh, uh, exception, they did a pretty good job of managing the conditions, mm-hmm. managing trying to get out there. You know, we did have an actual race start. It was yep. very wet and they maybe should have mandated wet tires, but we did have a real race start, a standing start. Um, they did try to get the race going a couple of times. They did make the call to get this race started at a point where a lot of the drivers and the commentators like, eh, I don't think so. And then suddenly we were we were green and going. So yep. I will give them props for that. But the uncertainty around the rules, the complexity of things, I think does hurt the sport, especially if you're a newer viewer. I mean, yep. if you've got the commentators not understanding what's going on, if you've got pundits and you've got people who are you know quote-unquote experts not understanding what is going on then you certainly got a lot of room for confusion because it feels like fan like so a lot of the people have a lot of problems with the fia especially after the way that last year concluded and it seems like the main issue people have with the fia these days is it feels like they make up the rules as they go along Mm -hmm. but the rules exist they're just interpreted and they don't share the interpretations until too late right and so, like, today it feels like, what if, I mean, you could, I I have no doubt people are going to sit there today and say, well, oh, they thought they could make Max champion, so they just did it. And, like, <sighs> I don't believe that's the case at all. 
But you see how people can feel that way because everybody felt like they understood how the points were going to be allocated today. It was either going to be 25% or 50%. But then Max wins and they're like, no, no, he gets the four points. You know what? And it's like, why did nobody tell anyone this beforehand? And then you get into these, like, it just, you know, it just gets, it's the same as like this cost cap thing, right? Everyone Mm. thinks it's going to happen. Then there's this like leak, which seems to suggest that Red Bull maybe did some accounting. And now they're like, hmm. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> you know, and so like yeah. stuff like that, where it's like, look, I understand it's an incredibly compact rules body, but there is like a communication aspect of this, which I think a lot of fans find puzzling or confusing. And maybe if you've been a longer term fan, you just know how this works and it's fine. But for maybe for newer fans like us, maybe for a lot of people out there, it's like it gets frustrating. You don't understand it. And, that's where I think we get into these situations where people don't trust them, and then that's a problem. Absolutely. Well, also, especially when these rules do change, right? I mean, this yeah. all changed as of last year, and this is the first time we've had a real situation quite like this. I mean, obviously, Singapore was quite wet last week, but it wasn't quite to the same degree of, you know, we were running into the time for the race and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's one of those things where it's weird and it's, Obviously, it was not like anyone is surprised that Max is the champion, right? I mean, mm-hmm. unlike last year where it really came down to the wire, this has been decided for I mean, probably a couple of months now, and it's just sort of a, more of a formality. So Max can go take a vacation, uh, <laughs> and not show up for the last races, which would be really funny to see. But yeah, that's there's a lot there, and there's a lot of stuff that has been going on in that off season. Yeah, but. Like we got to talk about some of that race stuff, don't we? Yes. I feel like All we right. might have to discuss a couple things here, or there, just a little bit. It's time to switch to inters. You know what? We may need extremes, man. It was pretty okay. wet. Well, you. Well, I'm coming in. You can tell me what I need. You know what I mean? I think we need to stall for a second while I open up the timer because I'm clearly not ready. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, ready to come in and yep. uh, get an extreme wet, uh, a full matching set. Hopefully. All right, ready. Set and go. This episode of The Backmarkers is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. And now the plot twist. Oh, no, there isn't one. Seriously, Mint Mobile has just premium wireless for $15 a month. There's no trapping you into a two-year contract or opening up your bill and finding a bunch of crazy fees. There's no luring you in with free subscriptions to streaming services that you'll forget to cancel and be charged full price for. There is none of that. What's so great about Mint Mobile, as Austin said many times, is not only is it so fantastically cheap, not only do you get all this data, you also can just set it up really quickly, right? You just pop the SIM in and you're off to go. Couldn't get any better than that. For people who don't like getting their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. I think that's awesome. You get all that unlimited talk, unlimited text, and high-speed data. Fantastic. Use your own phone of any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. So switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service. Get premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month and no unexpected plot twists at mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. That's M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash backmarkers. Seriously, this is going to make your wallet very happy. Mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of the backmarkers and all of Relay FM. And time, 130.88. That was pretty good. Well, I would say that you 
dropped the wheel gun. Uh, I was not expecting you to ask for my opinion on that one. I was uh-huh. like, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think uh, you dropped the wheel service. gun. Yeah, you know, you know what? I, I can. This is the post part, so it's fine. Uh, terrific and uh, great job both to Mike and to Mint Mobile for delivering wonderful service at a reasonable price. See, we got the we got the the uh, no notice. The FIA they were busy looking at Max or whatever. No 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 penalties. We're all good. It's one point two seconds off the fastest time. Ah. All right, so mm. uh, race started today. Carlos Sainz and Alex Albon out in the first two laps. Which brought yeah. a safety car out, slowed everybody down before, and then red flagged. But also, the whole red flag procedure was taken up with discussion around the fact that there was a tractor on the course bringing off Carlos Sainz when cars were still going around. Most of the conversation is focused around Pierre Gasly because Pierre was going fast. It was, he was said to be going faster than he should have been potentially at that point. Uh, so a lot of the conversation is focused around Pierre, but there's a ton of footage online from you know F1 camera feeds of a large portion of the field going around the track at the time where this tractor was on the track when yeah. it clearly shouldn't have been. There's been a lot of conversation as to who is at fault, who's not at fault, but I think it's pretty clear that no matter what speed anyone should have been going or whatever... This tractor should not have been on the track when cars were still passing, uh, especially if they were going to red flag it. This is potentially, sorry, particularly sensitive because of the death of Jewel Bianchi in 2014. On this track, under those circumstances, he collided with a tractor and it ended his life, which was a horrifying thing to happen. I think it's one of the reasons that the halo exists now was because of that incident. Um, so this is just one of those things where it's incredibly charged for the drivers and no matter what is considered, uh, I think about speed or whatever for Pierre, this is something that is just too dangerous to be occurring. Yeah, it's, there's a lot there, right? So I think we all kind of saw it transpire in slightly different ways. So uh, the main feed, uh, the main sky feed was, uh, I don't think the commentators got to see it because there was a lot going on with that first lap. There was this big piece of advertising that Pierre also had sort of hit. So a lot of the replays that we initially yep. were seeing, he was incredibly mad about what it looked like the board. Um, but then, especially on sort of like Twitter and whatnot, it started surfacing some of those clips of Pierre absolutely flying through or flying beside a tractor. And so... There's a few ways to look at it. As of recording this right now, um, Pierre has not yet seen the stewards for this, but um, they seemed pretty firmly like this is Pierre's fault, um, at least in sort of their initial messaging around it. So uh, obviously it is not unprecedented to have a vehicle on track, to have marshals on track, right? I mean, this is what happens when you have a wrecked vehicle, when you have a there was also car, Did you, you see the video flag. that there was also actually a person? Yeah. Which is hard to see, right? So yeah. that's 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 the real problem here, right? By when you have a safety car, when you have double waved yellows, you are supposed to be driving slow enough that you could come to a safe stop if something comes up on the track yep. or whatever the yep. case is, right? And especially when there's a red flag, even more so. Now the exact timing is kind of hard to say. It seems like the red flag was flown almost right as Pierre was getting to the tractor. Yeah. But the issue is is that the tractor was there with the entire field going by it. 
Mind you, they were behind the safety car and they were going slowly. But even so, you're in very wet conditions. Someone could lose control, much like in qualifying where, you know, Max slid and almost ran Lando right off the road, right? And that was going very, very slowly, right? So there's always the danger for that. But on top of that, the visibility was next to impossible. Yep. Now, if the FIA had told all the drivers, hey, everyone be super careful around turn eight or wherever it was, there is a tractor and marshals on track, go very slowly. If that was communicated, I think that this situation, while still dangerous and still really unnecessary because I don't think the tractor needed to be there, but obviously these are very complicated sort of things. So it may have jumped ahead of time. It's, it's a little hard to kind of judge a little bit there. But if this had been very clearly communicated to the drivers that they knew, but clearly no one knew, and almost none more so than Pierre, mm-hmm. who's booking it, trying to catch up to the back of the pack. It's a regular safety car, which is, to be fair, what he's supposed to be doing, right? Like you, if you're detached to the pack when the safety car there it's meant to bunch the whole field up right so that's one thing but the lack of communication the fact the tractor was out there so early the fact that they pulled the red flag so late if this was a regular race if this was perfect conditions that tractor would not have been a major issue pierre would have seen it well ahead of time because i think alex albon said that that this happened in singapore too and that before the race uh or like in the last driver's meeting Seb brought it up as an issue of like this has happened again this shouldn't be happening and then it's yeah. happened again so like I think that's what makes it even worse is in the driver's meeting it was raised to I assume an, an FIA representative I'm assuming that's what the driver's meetings are I don't fully understand how they work uh, but that only you know what I mean it's like it just it, it makes the whole thing seem even more ridiculous if they had already brought it up as a thing of like, this is concerning mm. us. And then it goes and happens again under much worse circumstances. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where a chaotic situation can easily lead to more chaos tragedy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So uh, I don't think Pierre was fully in the right by going that quickly, but Pierre had no clue that there was a tractor no. in the middle of the track, right? No clue. And I think if the FIA are going to do that while cars are still circulating, they need to be very clear with the drivers, right? There needs to be that communication. Or the simple thing is don't pull the tractor out until all the cars are completely out of the way. But even so, at regular slow safety car speeds, a tractor that close to the track I think is still incredibly dangerous. I don't. I wouldn't be shocked if Pierre picks up some kind of penalty for that. I mean, I do think that there's some merit to that. But also I think the FIA should have absolutely not allowed this situation to happen in the first they have place. to address it if especially if they're going to penalize pierre they have to address from their side why that happened and talk about what can happen otherwise like i don't understand why they can't put an actual limiter on the driver's cars why can't they do that yeah. on the safety car because virtual safety car they put a limiter right no, so it's not an actual physical limiter. So the, okay. the drivers get like a delta. So they can look at their little uh, display on their wheel and it will say like, oh, you know, it's I think it's like earliest time of arrival to a bunch of like little mini sectors. So basically I have to be, you know, less than zero seconds when right. I hit this point. Right. So always trying to stay like half a second or a second behind or whatever, which I believe is calculated by based on like they have to do like 40 percent of their race speed or they have to slow down by 40 percent or something. But yeah, with that, it's it's much more a like automatic thing there's not an actual button like you know when you're in go-karts where someone like they have to right. hit the button and everyone loses all their power maybe they should have which, that i mean it's possible it's possible but 
if there was better communication, I think a lot of the stuff could be cleared up. I don't believe, and uh, chat or anyone can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe the FIA have any way to radio the drivers. I think it's only the teams who have that ability. So even if the FIA is trying to communicate something, they have to go then through the driver or through the team who then has to communicate. Well, to the maybe driver. that should be changed too. For like some some kind of safety messages, that's not fast Absolutely. enough to go through. Also, what if it you know the the this becomes the telephone game, right? Mm-hmm. And then the message gets changed. So. I think yeah. this is clearly something that needs to be addressed because uh, that it was not a good look for today at all. No, right? no. It, and it, it was dangerous been... and it was under just the worst emotional circumstances that could have happened for yeah. many of these drivers actively on the field today because they were there at the time of Bianchi's death. So, Absolutely, yeah. So communication, that's my big takeaway here. That if that can be improved, if the FIA has a way of even if it's on their displays on the on the on the car, right? Yeah. Hey, say vehicle uh, caution turn eight. Well, I don't know whatever the case is. I think that yep. could go a long way toward avoiding situations like this. But I mean, the chaotic situation here is, yeah, not not good. <laughs> so I don't think that there was enough variance in the race today for us to go through all of our categories and award like back marker and stuff like that. I just so but also I don't think we should spend time on that when we should actually be talking about the fact that there is a world champion now. I, I want to yes. talk about Max Verstappen's world championship run. Uh, I will say I wanted him to win the world championship today. I wish I would have known yeah. that. And the reason is because he today he showed why he's world champion again. What was he, 28 oh, seconds ahead of Charles Leclerc by the end? Like, it's just unbelievable. I, you know, I've, we've been, I've been watching this sport for, this is my third season? Yeah. This is the most decisive victory I've mm-hmm. seen. Like, yeah. I have not seen a more deserving world champion. Like, I wanted him to win it. I'm happy he's won it because now, you know, he has what I hoped he would have, what I've been talking about through the run of the show so far. He has a, no question, I'm world champion, world championship. Like, like there is no question, no nothing. Like, he 100% put the work in, uh, started on the back foot to Charles, and has since absolutely destroyed him and everyone else. Like, it's unbelievable yeah. what he has pulled up like, what he has managed with so many races left to go. So, five races left to go? Like, in four, four, or five, yeah. four or five races left to go just truly incredible deserving world champion and i am i am disappointed that he did not know that today at the time when he should have known it because he deserved yeah. to know it and he didn't and he found out in a weird way and like but but i'm pleased that he's won it i'm, I'm really pleased he's won it yeah I, it's one of those things where dominance is almost not even the right word for it because i mean you look back to just the the machine of Red Bull and Max Verstappen together, and I mean it is absolutely every bit the same kind of dominance that we saw with the Schumacher Ferrari era in the early two thousands, right? Of just the team is built around the driver. They clearly have an incredible car, right? I mean, there's no doubt the Red Bull was by far the best overall vehicle this year. They're not even close, right? The only mm-hmm. slight weakness was that Ferrari kicked close to them in qualifying. But as soon as you got into the race, there was no shot, right? Ferraris were just destroying their tires. They couldn't keep up. I mean, the Ferraris almost gotten slower throughout the season, whereas and Red Bull continued to evolve. 
Exactly. And, you know, uh, they were actually, I know Max was talking a little bit about this this weekend. Uh, and he was basically discussing how the car has gotten so much better throughout the year because they started the year with an incredible concept, but they were significantly overweight. And every extra kilo that you carry around for a race distance adds up in a big way, right? So now that they've kind of developed the car and slimmed it down and sort of lost that weight, their advantage has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And you pair that with the unbelievable talent of max now i don't take anything away from Charles, right like he put up a real effort he had a real shot at this thing although ultimately the ferrari did not give him the the pace that he needed and, he and had, ultimately he made too many mistakes too he made too many mistakes exactly i think in a more competitive year i think Charles would have still absolutely been up there like his mistakes were not great but they were understandable you know a couple of things here or there in a season is not unreasonable but when you're going up against a max verstappen red bull combination where red bull pretty much were on point short of a couple things at the beginning and max was on point the entire season right i mean uh, i can barely remember a time or two where max made any significant issues and was not able to then make those up right so yeah could not agree max absolutely deserves this incredibly calm collected and just dominant right like no Mm -hmm. one could touch him this Mm -hmm. year and i am happy to see that uh i would very much like for there to be a little bit more of a fight for it next year um hopefully you know as other teams have kind of gotten a little bit of a better handle on these new regulations we'll see the other teams start to catch up you know mercedes and ferrari certainly are kind of pretty high up on that list of teams i think could get a lot closer to red bull next year but there's also, I think, a real part of me. It's just like, are we about to look at a multiple-year dominant run by Max and Red Bull? Because maybe I mean, it might be a. Li- I mean, I would wonder if because what the question I would have is in year two of new regulations, does it benefit the team that's already done it right more, or is there still a lot of room to be made up by other teams? Both, right? I mean, I certainly think that all of the other teams, uh, I mean, at this point, are probably well underway uh, for you know designing their 2023 cars. And I'm sure everyone's looked at what Rebel has done and have tried to understand it. That being said, I still think this Red Bull is not... No one quite gets why this Red Bull is so good, right? I mean, yeah. it's a different concept than everyone else. And certain teams have tried to copy it little bits and pieces. But I still think that there are secrets in that Red Bull uh, as to why it is so ridiculously fast. Maybe right? the secret think... is more money. <laughs> well, you, you say I'm that, ki- right? I'm but kidding, like, I'm kidding. Think, th- <laughs> think, think, about, think about the performance and the lack of like porpoising throughout, right? Like yeah. Red Bull basically started the season and go, oh, you know what? We got figured out. Like They were so yeah. far ahead. And yes, they've continued to develop the car, but while everyone else might be able to understand what's going on, there's a lot of very smart people in Formula One, but guess what? They might be able to catch up to this year's red bull meanwhile i guarantee you adrian newey is not just taking a nap right now he's developing this next year's car to be even faster and this is what we saw right last sort of uh you know the last five six years whatever mercedes started the turbo hybrid era with a major advantage and even though other teams were able to catch up mercedes were able to hold on to that advantage by continuing to stay one step ahead right so between the incredible skill of Max and the fact that unlike Mercedes, where you know they had Nico and Lewis kind of taking points off each other and making it a lot more dramatic than it needed to be, there's no competition from Checo, right? Max has got the 
undivided, unquestioned mm-hmm. number one status of the team, which means that it's you've almost got to look for things to go significantly wrong mm-hmm. for Max and Red Bull to not rack up at least one, if not maybe several more championships, right? I mean, it's just an yep. incredibly competent pairing of great designer, great team, super sharp, and an incredible driver. It's it's wild to think about, but I'm I'm hopeful that we have some good uh, action. Man, it's uh, Max just might just chill and just win the next ten. Man, I don't know. Because <laughs> the the thing I would the, the the reason I agree with what you're saying, it makes perfect sense. The reason I would wonder is like Mercedes have said multiple times now that they had a bad concept, like they had an issue with the concept. Mm-hmm. So like. And they have made great strides, I think, in making this car much more competitive as the season has continued, considering what points that they've been. But it's still pretty unreliable. But you wonder if, like, if they now say, like, oh, we would have been better with this concept. Maybe with everything they've still learned through this season, you apply that to the newer concept and you could end up with something much more competitive than what you've got. I don't know, right? But I think that it is a really good point that you make of they've... They Red Bull actually started with a semi-flawed concept, right? But they were able to improve upon theirs and get it way past everybody else. I mean, I would still argue that potentially the Ferrari is as good or close to good enough of a car, but they don't have the whole package put together of team and strategy and, and driver because there's only one Max Verstappen, right? Yeah, and, I mean, I would still argue that there is only one other driver in the field that is of his quality, and it's Lewis. Like, and then everybody else comes behind. I think because there's that's my opinion, right? But like, like yeah. you know, I think that we've seen it in previous years, and I think Charles is getting there, but he's still missing potentially a few components. I think there is a, a confidence thing that he lacks sometimes, and a decision making that he lacks sometimes, which has come to bite him which I think those are two things that both Max and Lewis have in spades, right? Of like, they have the confidence and they make the decisions and can put the car where they need it to be. But they both need the right car under them to do it. Like, I think in my first season, Lewis was way more decisive, like in the 2020 Mm. season, than Max because the Red Bull just wasn't there compared to 2021 where it was. And then even between the two of them, then it just became a two-horse fight. But now, with the Red Bull being the truly competitive car in the field, pair it with Max Verstappen, unstoppable. But I feel like if you put Lewis in that car, unstoppable. But Perez, whilst probably, I reckon, going to be second, he is currently second, I reckon it will be a 1-2 in the championship for, for Red Bull. There is still quite a delta between the two of them, even though... Uh, like Perez is doing so well, but that Delta at the moment is a uh, hundred and ten points. So, yeah, that's a I big mean, difference. It's it's wild that, yeah, I think you're you completely nailed it. Right, of it was difficult to kind of judge Max versus Lewis until they got on equal machinery, and it was shown pretty clearly that they are absolutely top of the top. Mm-hmm. Right, which is not a big surprise. Right, I think everyone kind of expected that. But uh, like you know, you look at this year. 
Lewis doesn't have a car that's remotely competitive, right? And I think it's kind of difficult to say, oh, well, how well would he be doing? I mean, we know based on last year they can go toe-to-toe, but you can't make comparisons when, you know, two competitors have wildly different performance in their vehicles. Whereas with Ferrari, I think it's a lot closer, but that Red Bull is too fast, right? Even even throwing out all of the problems that Ferrari had this year, even throwing out all the mistakes that Leclerc made, he still was not able to stay on pace with Max. So I think massive congratulations to the Red Bull team. Massive congratulations yep. to, uh, to to Max. And I look forward to seeing how next year shakes up. And of course, we still got a lot more interesting questions for this year, right? Of, like you said, who comes P2 and the drivers. There's a lot of, uh, of, of challenge when it comes mm-hmm. to the actual constructors where everyone is. Obviously, Red Bull are going to win it, even though they have not technically clinched it. But they're clearly going to win. But, you know, where the other teams are, where McLaren versus Alpine go, and some of the silly seasons and stuff that's still not wrapped up with the actual driver lineup but it is i think incredibly impressive to see just the dominance that max has really shown this year like i i just it, think it's hard to understate i don't know off the top of my head but this is i think one of the earliest championships have been wrapped up in quite a while i mean and i feel I'm, like it has to be just statistically looking at how many points can be achieved realistically right like yeah and he has done a very good job of of doing that Right. Like, and it'll be interesting to see how many more races he's able to pick up over the last few, right? He, I think, is still within shot to be the uh, most wins of a season ever. Mm-hmm. I know that. I think it's Seb has that right now in, uh, was it 2011 or something? I think Seb and Schumacher both are up there for the most wins in a season. Um, but I believe Max can still pull that out because he has won so many races this year. So the most F1 wins in a season is 13, and that is held by Schumacher and Vettel. They both hold that. 13. What's Max on now? I think he's on, is it 11 or 12 at this point? Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm looking, Googling. I'm uh, Googling along with you, my friend. 10. So at 11, 10. 11. It was 10 before this weekend. I found an article about saying 10 so he's then got 11 so he needs to win two more to tie three more to to take that record i will say genuinely surprised that lewis has not managed that like it, it, when you say that in the fact that he has won seven world titles i'm surprised that one of those years he didn't even tie that i mean uh, oh, max is on uh, that's 12 a lot of they're saying in the chat Max is on twelve. That was an article oh. from earlier in the in the in the month. So twelve. So he has to do one more, which he will, to tie yeah. it, and then two more to beat it. Which is very possible. I mean, there's four more races. I think the safe money is that Max wins them all. I Man, think let the me very tell you, safe money. <laughs> if you would have told me, they asked me the question before the season started, who's going to break a new record this year? I would not have said Max Verstappen. You know, like I just, just if you look at like who has all the records to beat, you know, like it's always it's been Lewis, right? Like over and over and over again. Uh, that's wild. I mean, I hope he does it. It'd be great for him. I hope he does it. I, mean, I like seeing it, history. Right? I, I, yeah. I like it. Right? Like it's a fun thing to see. Uh, last question I have for you, and we can see if maybe wrap up today because I know it's like about seven o'clock the next day for you now. <laughs> Do you think we are on a six seven? championship run for Max Verstappen like do you think that he can just mm-hmm. he could do what Lewis has done could we have enough is it realistic to have back-to-back history makers 
I kind of think it is. Um, I think we're in an era where Formula One seems like, and obviously this will you know be proven out, but it seems like we're in an era where the momentum is massively important, right? Last sort of generation, you know, with the turbo hybrid cars, Mercedes started on top, they stayed on top, right? Red Bull barely pipped him at the very end, but I mean, that was really the string and it was Lewis versus Lewis or Lewis versus Nico for a little bit, right? And now we're seeing the Red Bull are starting out with a major advantage and especially with the cost cap, while yes, it's kind of putting everyone on the same playing field, what's going to knock Red Bull down, right? I mean, clearly you could look at 2026, I mean, that's sort of the next time where the cars are and the power units and whatnot are going to be pretty majorly redesigned, right? But we've still got several years between now and then. Uh, I think the biggest sort of worry is twofold for Red Bull and Max to not just win three, four, five more in a row. Um, one of which is that they make a massive mistake, which is unlikely but totally possible, right? Next year, they may go down a completely different concept. Who would have car. thought Mercedes would have made such a big mistake, right? So exactly. it's definitely possible that Red Bull could do it too. Yeah, I think the bigger concern is the FIA. I think while the FIA have been generally pretty neutral, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that they slowed Mercedes down last year. I think some of the regulations with the rake and sort of removing from the rear affected Mercedes more than Red Bull. And you could argue that that was not intentional. I would say it's probably a little bit for the spectacle. Um, so They also got rid of their steering system, right, where they could angle the They tires. did get rid of DAS. Yeah. Yes, yes, they did get rid of DAS, but I, I, it's not. We've seen it time and time again. When a team gets too dominant, the rules need to be changed. They want to try to make sure that there's an interesting fight and that someone just doesn't completely run away with it, right? And so, if we get, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't expect it for next year, but if we go another year or two years of just complete Red Bull dominance, you've got to imagine the FIA are going to be like, you know what, everyone needs to. Do this, do that, right? I mean, this is what they were doing to Ferrari, right? They were trying to throw curveballs at them. Oh, we're going to go for no refueling. Oh, just kidding. Uh, one tires, one set of tires for your whole race. or whatever yep. the case is, like trying to kind of throw things off, which I think is there's nothing wrong with, right? I mean, the... Oh, I mean, this FIA entire and- new comp design is to do that as well, right? Like the, exactly. re- the, the 2021 regulation was to, to shake up Mercedes potentially, yep. and it did. The 2026 yeah. one will shake up Red Bull, right? If they mm-hmm. have a run here. like, And I don't disagree with that, but yeah. I would like it to be on a, like, it is on a predictable schedule that, like, every <sighs> four to five years, some big regulation change happens. That feels fairer to me than, like, what you're, I think, pointing out, which I think is a, a really good view of, like, them selectively picking off certain advancements that are helping one team over another because that feels a little bit more like meddling than I would want where if it was like we're going to throw out the design playbook every four years it I don't know it at least feels like it it it's not so particular which I don't, I would, I don't enjoy yeah I, I just think it's one of those things where they want to ensure that there's a good show and if one team which is important it is important exactly and and look i I will say i mean some of the most exciting races are wet races or when you know the grid's mixed up you know Mm -hmm. like uh, obviously certain cars are way faster right um i also do think it's exciting when there's a little bit of a curveball you know preseason testing starts someone's figured something out someone's fallen behind it's nice to have some of that variability so i do think the fia should always be trying to develop 
upgrade, change the rules. And if they do that with a little bit of an eye toward making sure that it's a little bit more of an even playing field, sure. But to me, that's the concern that Red Bull should have right now because otherwise they're looking damn near unstoppable. So our next race, we're returning to America. We're going to Austin. Circuit of the I'm Americas. Uh, you know what I'm excited for, Mike? Uh, 2 p.m. race for me or whatever time it's going to be. It's going to be lovely oh. and amazing and not 5 a.m. like it is right now. <laughs> what is it for me? It is a 8 p.m. race. It will be a 12 o'clock race for you. So don't tune in at 2 p.m. Austin because then you will have missed the entire thing. You know, that would be unfortunate. I'd yep. be like, so that's hey, Mike, I'm ready. <laughs> on October 23rd is when we'll be back. But congratulations to Max Verstappen. Well for dominant uh, victory to him. I think I, I'm genuinely, genuinely, I, I don't think people will believe me. I am very happy for him. Yeah, I, I genuinely absolutely. am. Like, I, I wanted him to win the season if he was going to get a shot at it. And I think that today he showed it you know like that that him coming off the line in the first restart and just mm -hmm. you know absolutely oh dominating leclerc around that corner talk about that yeah, yeah it's that just opening like, corner when i saw Ooh. it i was like you know what i hope you win the championship today <laughs> because that was i mean it was mean but it was incredible, right? But but yeah, that's that. part of it, right? Like it is, it, it was mean, you know, like it, he was aggressive, but like that is why he's world champion. Yeah. And he's allowed it's to do it, so it's fine. Confidence, uh, it's uh, no fearful mm -hmm. bravery and just absolutely being one with the car and the conditions and trusting Leclerc, right? I mean, obviously, you know, Leclerc comes a little wide. They're both out of the race, but... Uh, a fair fought I championship. He, I don't know if that goes through his mind. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like I don't Yeah. I, I think one of the things that makes him who he is is he is one hundred percent like I am Max and that's all there is. And like everything that mm -hmm. he does, he just believes he can handle it. And I think that's yeah. what sets him apart for other drivers who wouldn't make that move because maybe they wouldn't you know, maybe they would think about other people in the sense of they might hit me or, you know, like yeah. I, I, I don't know this, but like, I think what makes him so confident is his belief in himself. And like, that's where it starts and ends. And yeah, that's what, that's what puts him over the line more than anybody else at the moment. No, oh, makes sense. It makes sense. All right. If you want to catch up with us, there's a few ways to do it. You can check out the audio version of the show at backmarkers.fm, the video version at backmarkers.live. Uh, we're both on Twitter, and we're also at backmarkers.live on Twitter as well. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks for the next American Grand Prix. Until then, say goodbye, Austin Evans. Good night, and I'll see you at a reasonable time very shortly. Thank you.